This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. You know, one of the most common questions that I get from coaches around the world is how can I coach individuals in a team environment or how do I coach individuals in a swimming squad or an athletics squad? How do I get the best out of individual athletes and human beings when I might have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or more athletes in my training program? How do I get the best out of each of those individuals? How do I provide an environment where each of those individuals can fully express their potential, realize their talent, get the most out of the training experience and enjoy and learn and build skills, improve technique, all those things we know are important. How can I do that in a team environment when in the end, we're coaching individual human beings? So I thought today's podcast, I'd focus on seven things that I believe are critically important when you're coaching individuals in a team environment. First of all, it's important to understand each of the individuals in your team and what's motivating them to be there. It is very rare, it's incredibly rare that you're in a situation where the motivation level or the why, if you like, the why that the athletes have come to you, it's very, very rare that everybody's why is the same. It's very rare. In some sports, maybe where you're working intensely one-on-one, for example, you might be an elite cycling coach an elite athletics coach just working with one athlete and you know the motivation of that athlete, which could be to win, glory and success, medals, world record, personal fulfillment, whatever it is. There's no judgment on motivation. It's purely understanding motivation that's critically important for coaches. But when you're working with teams, in spite of the myth around team building and team development, which we'll talk about shortly, it's incredibly rare that you have what I would call an homogenous group of athletes with the same motivation. It's unlikely that every group is all motivated, all the individuals are all motivated by the same thing at the same time to the same degree. Now, I'll give you an example. Quite often what's happened, say, in a sport like swimming is that the coach has been the dominant figure. The coach has gone, well, I want to be a great coach. I want to have a great program. I want to build a successful club. Therefore, everybody who comes to me has to buy into my motivation. And it's very commonplace, not just in swimming, but many other sports that coaches will put down demands. Okay, if you're going to be in my program, you must do 10 sessions a week and you have to be here at 5am and the sessions will be two hours. And then Colleagues, those days are over. Those days of dictating the level of motivation that everyone in a squad will comply with, those days 
are long gone. Because the reality is that in a group of 30 athletes, five or six may be there purely because they love the sport and they want to have some fun and they want to practice. There might be another group of four or five athletes who are there because their friends have come along and they're there for social reasons. There's always a group, particularly with juniors, who are there because mum and dad want them to be there. And in every group, of course, there's two or three aspirational athletes. And this leads on to the second point on motivation. If you're standing in front of that group and you're doing that, everybody needs to be the best. We need to be relentless in our pursuit of excellence. We need to do everything to the highest possible standard. You're only speaking to the athletes who are there seeking those things, the aspirational ones who are looking for that type of coaching. And of course, you have the right, if you're a professional coach, to say, well, I'm only going to work with the most committed, talented, and driven, high-achieving athletes. That's your call if that's what you want to do. But it is unrealistic in the extreme to stand in front of a group of 20, 30, 40 athletes and say, you will all now be motivated by the same thing that motivates me, whatever that might be. However, you can influence athletes. You can have an impact on athletes. You can inspire them to want to be more aspirational over a period of time. But again, that's what you want. That's what you believe. That's what you're trying to achieve. Number three is it's important that no matter how big your group is, to build individual relationships. Now, I've had the great fortune to work with some amazing rugby league coaches and rugby coaches, AFL coaches, football coaches, professional coaches in many, many sports. And when you speak with athletes of those coaches who have sustained success and you say, why is your coach so good? What is it about your coach that you love? What is it that makes your coach so special? Unanimously, the athlete will say, Wayne, it's because she cares about me. He knows me. He's interested in me. He has a relationship with me. She knows me. The number of conversations that I have with athletes trying to understand how they've got to where they are as, as successful athletes and then asking them about their coach and what is it about their coach, I never hear, I never hear a successful athlete say it's because of their knowledge of strength training or their technical knowledge or it's their knowledge of oxygen transport dynamics. Even though those things have a great role to play at different times in different situations. Athletes will say the reason why this coach just does an amazing job is they know me. They understand me. They know what I'm trying to do. They know what motivates me. They get me. And even when I've worked in very, very large Olympic sport programs, it's that relationship between the coach and each of the individuals in that environment that is the glue. It's the cement that holds everything together. People tend to think that it's the big things. Oh, well, we all wear the same colors. We're all wearing the same jersey. We all have the same emblem. 
we all sing the same song. All those things do have a role, but in the end, ultimately the strength of teams is the relationships between coaches and individual athletes in that team. Everybody feels valued. Everybody feels listened to and respected. Everybody feels that they're dealing with a coach who knows them, gets them, understands them, wants them to be successful. So one of the most important things of dealing with coaching individuals successfully in a team environment is to build individual relationships. Four, coaching is the art of inspiring change through emotional connection. Athletes, regardless of their motivation, are coming to you and into your coaching environment to change, to change technically, to change physically, to change emotionally, to change technically, to get better at what they do. Coaching is change. That's what we do. Coaches are the masters of change. But we do it in a way through relationships and we inspire change through emotional connection by understanding athletes, by building relationships with athletes, by caring about athletes, by loving athletes, by listening to athletes. That's coaching. Coaching is the art of inspiring change through emotional connection. And when you're working with individuals in a team environment, the art form of coaching has never been more important. And it's not easy. And it doesn't take five seconds. It's not a short-term exercise. A good friend of mine is a successful professional rugby coach. And he talks about this in a wonderful way. He says, look, it's not those big things that change players. It's not those bringing in a motivational speaker or the big announcement about the new team colours or the season launches. They're not the things that inspire change. What he says is it's all those little moments, you know, those those 30 second, how are you going? How's your day? Look, I think you kicked really well today. Keep up the good work. Or those moments where you say, how do you think you went at training today? Oh, that's interesting. This is what I saw. What did you feel? Great. It's those one minute, two minute, 30 second. It's those short little connection moments with athletes that shows that you care that you're interested in, that you're watching, that you're always involved with what they're doing to a degree equal to or even greater than what they're doing. It's those little moments. That's our coaching art. And around a team, you have thousands and thousands of those moments. And I would say to you coaches, look for those little moments and those opportunities rather than scheduling a weekly motivation talk or a weekly debrief or a weekly let's reset, whatever it is, look for those little moments with individuals, with eye contact, with close proximity, with close connection, where they go, wow, my coach is interested, my coach is watching, my coach cares, my coach wants me to get better. Look for those little moments, particularly around the context of training, the context of being in the gym, the context of being on field, before and after games, look for those moments and those opportunities to build genuine connection, to engage with your athletes and to inspire their heart and mind. And in team environments, you're presented with thousands and thousands of those moments and incredible opportunities. Don't waste any of them. Another coaching friend of mine who works with track and field athletes, he says, never miss an opportunity to help an athlete. 
because he said, having been to the Olympic Games and having lost by narrow margins, I often reflect on what's the accumulation, what's the cumulative effect of missing opportunities to help athletes get better. If I walk past and I don't say something I think is important or I don't spend a moment asking them a question about their life or sharing something, what's the cumulative effect of me not taking those moments and those opportunities to help the athletes get better, to build stronger relationships, to listen to them and to inspire them. So don't miss coaching opportunities. Number five, when you're working with individuals and coaching individuals in a team environment, the critical thing to understand is the concept of leadership. Leadership is the art of inspiring change through subtle influence. Coaching is the art of inspiring change through emotional connection, but leadership is the art of inspiring change through subtle influence. And where I see teams do very well, where I see teams sustain change and sustain performance, the coaches, the athletes, everyone involved understands that real leadership comes from relationship building and through those relationships, through open hearts and open minds, very subtly influencing attitudes, inspiring change, and doing it sometimes quite quietly but very, very effectively. And leadership is very, very misunderstood. It's one of my favorite topics that a lot of coaches, a lot of environments believe that it's about bringing athletes together and telling and yelling and psych-ups and and big grandiose schemes to try and get players to do this or do that. Leadership is very subtle. Leadership is driven through people. It's driven through proximity and relationship, through love and through care, and through people wanting to help selflessly other people in the environment get better. They want to care about their teammates and others in that environment, that team situation. They want them to be successful as much as the person themselves want to be successful. It's that selflessness, that caring that underpins great leadership and wonderful leaders. So number five is understanding. If you're coaching individuals, it's about individuals leading other leaders. It's not about one person standing up the front and trying to lead 62 people. That rarely works. It's about subtle influence. Number six in coaching individuals in teams is about team dynamics, about interpersonal communication, again about relationships. It's about the way people work together. A lot of people will say, you know what we've got to do every year? We've got to come together. We've got to have a mission statement. We're going to have values. We're going to have virtues. We're going to have team trademarks, team principles and practices. I do not believe that those things work anywhere nearly as well as we might have thought. I think where we are now with team dynamics is very much around broad themes and general principles of attitudes and behaviours that everyone lives, that everyone lives. If you like, we all adopt a common understanding of what it looks like to be us. What are the behaviours? that we need to put in place to be the team that we want to be together. I can still be an individual. I can still take care of my own planning, practice, 
preparation and performance. I can do all those things so that I am ready. But when we come together, there's an understanding that we have some general themes and principles that underpin our practices and what we do, which leads me on to number seven is culture. Quite often, people will talk about the fact that they can coach individuals in teams because they've got their culture right. And from that point, there's been millions of books and programs and practices and gurus and courses and all sorts of things about developing a culture. Culture is simple. Culture is what you do. Culture is simply what you do. The real art of that as a coach in working with athletes is to define what it is that we can do as individuals and as a group that will give us the level of success that we're looking for individually and collectively. The two main areas of importance in culture are, number one, individual responsibility, and two, group accountability. Number one, individual responsibility, two, group accountability. I'll talk to you about how that works. When we've decided what we will do, what are the behaviors, the attitudes, the practices, when we've decided what we do, I, as an individual, me, I will agree to, commit to personal responsibility for living those practices, those values, those attitudes, the things that we'll do. I accept responsibility for my behavior, my attitude, the way that I do things. Accountability is something that we share as a group. And that comes from three things, from honesty, from trust, and from selflessness. Honesty, trust, and selflessness. If you as a coach and as a group of people can foster the development of those three core values, they will underpin your success for the short, medium, and long term. Honesty is, I tell you what I think, I tell you what I feel, I'm direct. There is no filtering, there is, I'm telling you something. However, that only works where the culture also embraces trust and where I know that you're being honest, you're being direct, you're giving me feedback, you're giving me tough love, you're trying to help me get better. You're trying to help me get better because if we as a group have decided that we're all going to get to training early, so we've got time for some extra stretching or some uh, gym work or some additional practice time working on some skills, it is my individual responsibility to make sure I'm there. However, it is my team accountability that others in my team will come over if I'm late and will say, Wayne, why were you five minutes late? Why did you arrive late to practice today? Now, in that moment, and this is where some teams get it and some don't, the athlete who was late, if they go, wow, they're having a go at me, they're picking on me, they're abusing me, they're negative to me, it doesn't work because I'm not going to accept that feedback. I'm not going to receive their accountability because there's no honesty, there's no trust, and I don't feel 
that they're being selfless. I feel they're picking on me. I feel I'm being isolated. I feel that it's the exact opposite. But in teams where there is honesty and trust built on the foundations of selflessness, when someone comes over and says, hey, Wayne, you were late today, I will look at them and think, wow, they're being a little bit tough. However, I know they love me. I know they care about me. I know that they want me to be successful. I trust them. This honesty is well-placed because I know that they're trying to help me and I accept it and I will change my behavior as a result. And this is the critical element of culture, is to have built those foundations of honesty, trust, and selflessness so that when people do or don't do the behaviors, the actions, the practices that people have agreed on as part of our team, which is the underpinning success structure and framework of what we're trying to do, when there is direct feedback, people go, wow, they're trying to help me. They care about me. They love me. They want me to get better. I accept that and I will change as a result. In teams that get it, that one action, that selflessness action sustains growth, improvement, and success. Where they don't, where feedback is seen as negative, where feedback is seen as being somehow picking on people or being deconstructive, it's very, very difficult to build the environment for the individuals in your team to achieve group success. So let's run through those seven points again. First thing in coaching individuals in a team environment, first, take time, make an effort to understand every individual in the team environment. Coaches, athletes, sports scientists, support team, parents, administrators, take time to understand them and what's motivating them. Don't waste your time trying to motivate everybody to do the same thing. It doesn't really work, no matter how great a motivational speaker you may be, it's impossible, colleagues. I will go so far to say it is impossible in a group of 10, 20, 30, 40 people to stand before them and motivate all of them to follow the same thing the same way to the same degree at the same time. So give up on motivating groups. It's about three, building individual relationships. Leading into then coaching Coaching is the art of inspiring change through emotional connection. When you've got that relationship in place, you can then begin to inspire change through your connection, your engagement with the heart and mind of the athletes. Five, in team environments that work. Leadership isn't in a classroom. It isn't a workshop. It isn't a course. Leadership is the art of subtle influence through quality relationships. Six, team dynamics are important, but rather than making them overly specific, build a selection of themes and principles about what it is that we do, and then follow that up with seven, with culture defining the practices that we will follow in our environment based on honesty, trust, and selflessness, so that what we do delivers a rewarding, safe, successful, and meaningful sporting experience for everyone involved. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.